Welcome back to another episode of Sales with Aslan, your weekly therapy session for those who sell for a living and those who help, help those who sell, sell for a living. And you know when I pause, that means Dr. Sales is on the line. Dr. Sales, paging Dr. Sales. Dr. Sales is on it's the line. It's Tom Phil. You know, I'm going to add something to your title. We usually call you CEO, founder, mm -hmm. global overlord. I'm going to add author. Author. Nah, author. Is that too early? Is it too it's, early for author? Well, maybe I'm just teasing something a little bit, mm -hmm. but I'm excited because we've had a lot of authors on, but none as famous as Tom Stanfill. When's the book coming out? It's not uh, too far off. Yeah, we got, we got, we got a book coming out. Um, oh. book called Unreceptive. Unreceptive. It's really about driving receptivity. We're crossed through the un on the title of the book. The book's called Unreceptive which is about how to convert the most difficult customers and get meetings with the most difficult prospects, those that are unreceptive. And because that number is climbing, Scott, and today we're going to talk about kind of the, the highlights of the, the main topics of the book. Um, but that book's coming out, to answer your question, October 12th. Excellent. By Harper Collins. And, and a bunch of people are on uh, bated breath right now. They're holding their breath for that big day. And we will, I will, I'm sure we'll talk about it over the summer and as we get into the fall about how you can get your copy. But yeah, today we want to talk about the three Ps that drive influence and receptivity. I'm, I understand that's a big part of the book. It would make a lot of sense that that is part of unreceptive. So we'll, we'll dive into that. But first... What is that cold, frosty, and refreshing beverage in front of you? Cold, frosty, and refreshing. Scott, I am uh, going with a beer that was uh, introduced to me by my youngest son, Brett. And I don't know if I'm saying this correct, but it's by Creature Comforts. It's called, oh, yeah. I think it's Duende, D-U-E-N-D-E. -E. It is a hazy double IPA made with Citra, Mosaic, and Simcoe hops. So... For those of you who are keeping score at home, that's what it has. Um, so 8% ABV. 8%. Does does it give you IBUs, just out of curiosity? Mm, I'm uh, looking. International don't, bitterness units? I'm yeah, I don't, I don't see IBU. I'm betting that's going to be in that certainly above 50%, probably like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not seeing IBUs. Not 50%, but 50 IBUs. Mm -hmm. Well, I... I too have got a little bit of a double IPA thing going today. Wow. I am trying to remember if I've had this on the show before. I don't think so. My daughter gave me this for Christmas, Hetty Topper. Mm. Um, I enjoyed it so much the first time. It's out of Vermont. Uh, it's uh, the company is called The Alchemist. That is the name of the brewing company. It is. Uh, uh, heard of it? Yeah, it's a hundred on a score of one to a hundred. It's a world class under by one of the beer forums I'm looking at. I feel um, like I feel like you're bragging now. Scott. I'm bragging that I've got the best beer ever, and I'm just going to have it in front of you. Eight uh, percent ABV and seventy five IBU. Now you know my listeners out there. You know I don't love a high IBU count. Mm -hmm. That means the bitterness is excessive. Mm -hmm. But this one I do enjoy. So, uh, cheers. Cheers. Thank you. Thank you for having me on the show, Scott. Mm. So let's get into this topic that's going to be such an important part of the book, but it's a really important part of the programs and it's a really important part of driving receptivity and, and improving your influence. Um, take us through a little bit about what you mean or, or how uh, we, we might set up um, and increase, um, you know, information flow between us and our clients. Well, yeah, the, the, the main topic we're talking about is, is, 
is the, the, the idea that the, and this is the main premise of the book and something I think we're all familiar with in sales, right. is that the unreceptive audience is growing. In other words, the people who are open to meeting with us and the people who are what we call emotionally open to changing their beliefs, that number is declining. Um, now, is that a COVID thing or was that happening before COVID? It's been a continual, the, the number of people that are open to meeting and open to changing their beliefs and open to, is continuing declining for all kinds of reasons. The two main reasons I, I think of is that, um, or that for the research that, w- that we've discovered reveals that people are just overwhelmed with information. Yeah, yeah. Right, so the availability of information, which means I'm less dependent on a salesperson, Um, The amount of information, which means I'm so overwhelmed, I can't read another email or I can't pay attention to another, um, all of those things. And then also the other thing is isolation. People are more isolated. So they're only hanging out with their tribe, which people that reinforce what they believe. So there's less interaction with people who think differently. Um, So all of those things make it more difficult to convert what I call convert the disinterested or convert the unreceptive. And so it's funny because as, as you know, before COVID, the market was blowing up, but reps and, and market was growing and the stock market's going and you think everybody was selling more, but actually sellers on a, 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 for five years in a row have failed to hit quota. More sellers have failed to hit quota than ever before. So that number keeps declining. Yeah. Um, so it's been tough. It's tough to convert the disinterested. And so what we keep doing is trying new ways to sell. And those are all candidly backfiring. Well, uh, and I can remember back way before you and I got together, this is 2012, that mm-hmm. Gartner at the time, CEB, had put out that study that 57% of the decision was made or the buying process was made, let's say it that way, before a sales rep was even invited into the process. That number's much higher today, I would bet, right? If I go back and look where Gartner is today, and then it's probably closer to 70%. So people are gathering their information somewhere. And I love your isolation comment because we've never been more isolated than we were in the last year. Mm -hmm. Uh, I like that, stuck with our own tribe, not seeing counter arguments or not, not being able to have intelligent conversations with people that think differently than us that's been at a premium lately, hasn't it? So, so what do we do about it? What's, I know the seller's instinct is to, is to, is to do one of two things when, when that happens, you know, they, they, they do what Tom, they either fight or flight. Fight or flight. I mean, it's, it's, um, it's what most people do. So, so we, we, you know, if you, if you think of the, you know, the fertile soil, there's not very much fertile soil to plant our <laughs> Right, exactly. Um, and so as, as we are running into this difficult, we can't find fertile soil, we just work harder to try to fer- find more fertile soil. Um, another analogy to use is we fight. You know, the, the, the more resistance we get, the more we fight. Uh, or some people just flee and say, well, this, this soil is not fertile, so we move on to something else. So... Um, <laughs> But ultimately, our instincts sabotage our ability to convert the disinterested. So, right. so you know, we, we teach a principle is when someone's emotionally closed, the more you try to persuade them, the more closed they become. Yep. So our instinct to sell harder, right, it backfires because we try to, you know, up the amp our message. You know, we try to prove the quality of our message. We try, we try harder to convert them. And when we do that, that actually pushes them away because they're actually not resisting a solution. They're resisting a sales call. So the more we sell, the more resistant they become. So that doesn't work. And obviously if you flee, you know, if you meet resistance and well, these people, you know, the soil's not fertile. So we just move on. 
Well, that doesn't work either. Right. Uh, right. Because we're running out of real estate. Well, I was going to say, what, what percentage of the deals do you think you would ever close if you flee? I would say zero. <laughs> and what percentage will you if you fight? I mean, maybe one out of, I don't know, 10? If you're fighting yeah. with somebody, are they going to buy from you? I don't know. Yeah, the, the, the rates are, you know, the, you know, the percentages change. It's hard to come up with percentages of people, you know, the, what yeah. of the customers are, are unreceptive. But over the years, we've polled, you know, almost everybody we've trained over the years and, and consistently researched this. And we keep coming back with this 80%. You know, yep. if you know, we could just use that for this podcast, that 80% of the people you try to sell to are closed. Yeah. And a lot higher are closed to a meeting. Yeah. You know, most sell, you know, the average percentage of people that are respond to email is like 2%. Yeah. So, you know, 98% are closed. And then when you're trying to, you know, win a deal, change beliefs, up, you know, unseat a competitor, that's more like 80%. So um, it's tough. And so the traditional sales approach doesn't work when you're faced with the, those those types of customers and prospects. So we got to do something different. So let me guess mm -hmm. this something different has three P's in it, mm. which I do love how we make these memorable. This is just like, cause somebody's on a treadmill right now and they're going, how am I going to remember this? Well, you're going to remember these three P's that are going to make your life different when you're trying to influence somebody. So let's go through the first P Tom. What's the first P? Yeah, so, so just kind of again, make sure you're given the right amount of context of this topic. So when we're faced with someone, either they're unreceptive to me or unreceptive to our ideas or change their beliefs. And we can apply this, Scott, at home. Of you course. Know, we're talking to a teenager about anything. <laughs> or <laughs> we're talking to our spouse or a close friend. Or we're talking again to a customer. We want to change their beliefs about Maybe they, they decided 10 years ago that the solution you sell isn't right for them. And I've talked to many sales reps like, well, they decided 10 years ago and, and they're like, everything's changed since 10 years ago, but, but the customer's still like, that's not my thing or yeah. I'm not interested or they're closed to a meeting. The traditional approach doesn't work. So instead of, instead of trying to amp up our message, we need to create receptivity. So how do we get them to be emotionally open? And it starts by switching from focusing on what we say to creating receptivity, to creating that fertile soil. Yeah. So before, because we got to create a fertile soil before we can plant the seed, which is our message. So how do we create a fertile soil? Three Ps. Three Ps. Um, yeah, three Ps. The first one is priority. And so priority is simply about, there is a priority Someone's pr a priority on the call. Yes. Before, you know, if you're meeting with somebody or you're trying to get their attention or you're trying to, because you're sending an email or you're trying to change your belief, somebody's the priority. It's either you or them. Right. There are only two choices. Uh, and a lot of us don't stop enough <laughs> to, really, to really decide who's first. Yeah. Um, because if we, we all default to self and when we default to self, we're the hero of the story. And so we have to constantly monitor our motive and determine who's first and then communicate our motive. Yeah. That's where we start. Well, and I, and I'm remembering past podcasts you and I've done together where you have said in the past, like that is a conscious thing. You've still got to, you know, make sure you go in with that mindset. You got to consciously say the customer's the priority. My solution is only secondary if it solves uh, an issue that they're having, but I have to make them the priority. Yeah, uh, and, and, yeah. And, and that motive is transparent. People see through that if it's not the case, if they don't feel like they're priority. 
And yeah, and it's easy for us to skip that because, you right. know, we're so focused on what do I need to say about my solution? You know, what's my sales process? And these are questions we get all the time. You know, what's yeah. the best yeah. sales process or how do I position questions or what's the best question or how do I position an email or how do I write an effective email or how do I, um, you know, overcome objections? All the things that we need to do in sell, sales comes back to who's the priority. Because when the customer's the central figure in the story, all those things get super clear. I guarantee you, if you stop right now and you look at your sales process, you will see that the sales process is built around the seller, not the customer. Yes. How do I get to move my solution through the process? How do I get, how, how do I overcome objections? How do I get them to meet with me about my solution? And it's it, because it's very counter, it's very intuitive to start with us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the marketing departments and the product, you know, marketing folks that are developing the products are developing, you know, what they know about the market, but not mm -hmm. everybody in the market is exactly the same. And those, those discussions that you have, if you're prioritizing what you're hearing from the client and making them the priority, you know, will determine whether your solution fits, not vice versa. <laughs> you can't shoehorn your solution, right? No. And, and there's, let's just say, let's say that you, uh, or experienced seller and you understand the customer extremely well and you've you've built an what we call an other centered customer focused sales process and you're very good at communicating um, your solution in terms of why it's in the customer's best interest to embrace it and you're great at positioning questions in a way that communicates to the customer that's all about them Here's if, if, if you're good at all that, but you still have a self-centered motive, you, it'll still sabotage your ability to convert the disinterested because motive is ultimately transparent. And so if you don't stop before every meeting and reset your compass, as we say, um, because we all default to self, yep. um, just like compasses default to North and that's how a compass works. We all default to self. And so yep. we've got to reset our compass um, to default to the customer. And if we don't stop before every meeting, we're going to gravitate to self and yep. we're going to have an agenda. Um, and that, and it happens to me. I mean, yeah, I teach this stuff. And if I don't stop before every meeting and decide who is first, I will ultimately sabotage my ability to drive receptivity. And, and you, you know, how do you, how do you, um, I, I get that that you have to do that before each meeting, but how do you know you've done that in each meeting? Like, how do you, how do you monitor your own, um, your own self in that? I mean, obviously if somebody else is watching you, that's one way people can record their calls because Zoom is, you know, uh, a right. way to do that. But, but yeah, what's the best indicator that you know you've, you've done that on every call? I can see a shift in, in my demeanor and, and just almost in my emotional state because I, if I stop, so first of all, there's a real practical step. I have to literally stop before every meeting and I have to make a decision. Yep. Uh, I was driving home. I was told, I think I've told this story before, but I was driving home. My wife and I share a, pa a Pandora account. Yeah, so yeah. only one of us can listen to Pandora at a time. Yeah. So I'm driving home, I'm listening to Pandora and it says that all of a sudden a, a screen comes up and says, do you want to listen to Pandora or do you want to let the other person listen to Pandora? Someone else is listening to Pandora. Do you want to listen to Pandora or do you want to let your wife listen to Pandora? I have to make a decision. Yeah. And I, have to I say, hope you I make literally the right have to push that button. I literally have to push a button that says me or her. <laughs> is it me or her? And we, it is that clear. Yeah. With, 
meet with a customer, you need to push the button that says me or you. That's it's either about me or it's about you. Uh, and when I push that button, I can see a shift in me and my, my, the way I communicate, the way my emotional temperature changes, or I shouldn't say temperature, state changes. Um, so for me, it's really just stopping and asking myself that question. And, and the reason I'm willing to do that is because I've learned a long time ago, and maybe some people that listen to this podcast haven't really landed on this yet. I know I'm more successful when I serve. Yeah. When I put the customer first, literally do that. My questions are more effective. What I recommend is more effective. They listen to me more. They open up to me more. It, I just, I'm just much more effective. I'm more effective when I'm other centered. So therefore once I just, it's to me, it's just a remembering thing. Yeah. And so that's, I don't know if that answered your question. It does. No, it does. I, I, and I, we've, we've talked about it many times that we are never more fulfilled than when we're serving others and we're never more successful. Uh, at least that's what we believe. And, and uh, many of our clients would, would back us up on that. All mm. right, Tom, before we move on from priority, anything else on that piece of it before we move to the second P? No, I think that's, I think that's, that's where it starts. I would also say this, um, part, being able to do that effectively is not just a decision. I want to, we said this earlier, but I want to, yeah. I want to underline this. It's, it's one thing to monitor what you believe and make the decision, but I also have to communicate it. Yes. I also true. have to communicate to them what my priority is. I mean, at the beginning of a, a beginning of a presentation, for example, or beginning of a meeting, we need to be able to articulate why we're there and why we're there, how we're there to serve them and help them get what they want. Ultimately, selling is about getting, helping people get what they want. And if we struggle to articulate that, we probably haven't made that decision. Great point. Great point. All right. Before we move to the second P, which is not Pandora, although that could be the fourth no, P in this thing. Pandora be is going to be memorable. People are going to remember that story if they haven't heard yep. it before. You have to choose who gets to listen to the music. Um, Let's go on to the second P, Tom. What is the second P? Of the second P is pressure. Yeah. So when people, people feel pressure, uh, they are going to resist that pressure. People Absolutely. do not like to feel, people want to be in control and they don't, they, they resist that. And they, they may resist it by faking and not, not bringing up tough subjects where they feel like you're going to try to pressure them to change their belief. Um, or they may just, they may just like to fight with you. Then it creates kind of an argument and they start to yep, fight. Yep. So, so they want to avoid pressure. Um, uh, and because of our role in being in sales, they assume we're going to make a commission off everything we recommend. And so when we recommend the special on the menu, it's yep. because they're going to make more money or right. when we, somebody, you know, so, so they're starting to feel that tension because of our role. Uh, and a great example of this, um, of eliminating the pressure and having productive conversations. I, I had a, kind of the opposite of pressure. I had a, a conversation with a friend of mine recently, and I was thinking about this in preparing for the podcast. We talked about the most incendiary subjects you possibly could talk about. <laughs> we talked about religion. Yep. We talked about race. We talked about politics. We talked about religion, and we talked about raising children. Yeah. And we had... I would say, let's just say 50% of the time, we had opposing opinions about those subjects. Wow. And the, the conversation was incredibly productive. I listened to him and never got upset. And he listened to me and never got upset. And he actually told me conversations that he had with his 
teenager and the teenager never got upset. And I started looking at what was the common thread to that conversation is we both had the freedom to choose. In other words, I didn't have to agree with him. Yep. He just wanted to share his point of view. I, he didn't have to agree with me. He just was sharing his point of view. And we had a very um, interesting conversation that was extremely productive. And it's all because there was no pressure. Yeah. Um, and so the, the bottom line is, as long as the listener has the, the freedom to choose, they're going to be receptive to what you have to say. Now, sometimes we have to communicate and demonstrate they have the freedom to choose because they don't believe that. Right. But right. what we do is what we call, we talk about is drop the rope. So right. in other words, to, to kind of use a different metaphor, as long as you're pulling the rope, they're going to feel the tug of war. So we need to drop the rope and, sh and communicate that there's freedom to choose. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, and there's great language you can use to mm -hmm. show that is your motive that you want to hear. It sounds like that conversation you had was amazing. I mean, I, I'll add one to that in incendiary subjects that Cindiary. you talk about. Incendiary. What, what about the vaccine about. right now, right? Everybody's mm -hmm. arguing over whether you should have to get the vaccine. Like you, they're making a huge push to make sure 70% of Americans are vaccinated by June. That subject matter, at, at least at the cocktail parties I've been at recently, is it's like a 50-50 split and people are very dug in about this. Yeah. Imagine if they took the Tom Stanfield approach and said, look, I'm not going to try to influence in you and I don't want to be influenced, but I would love to learn from you why you think I should or shouldn't get the vaccine. What a great conversation that would be. Mm -hmm. And now take that into your work environment, right? And have that same level of, I'm not trying to sell you anything. I'm trying to help you solve a problem. Don't even know if our stuff will help you, but if it does, we'll go through those options later. That's a much different conversation. Well, and I think it's, I think you're making a, a really, a really good example because I think we have to remind ourselves is that our role is to influence. Yeah. Right. We want to change people's belief. That's what our role is in sales. Yes. There are times when people say, I want what you offer and I would like to buy it from you. Yeah. And that's great. not what we get paid for. Right. <laughs> and that's not what we're going to get. That's not how we're going to make high six figures, six yeah. figures, or even seven figures in sales, right. you really get compensated well is when you change people's beliefs. That's and so, great point. And so when you want to change somebody's belief, let's say about vaccines, you need to, the best way to do that is to let, allow them the freedom to tell you whatever they want to tell you. Because as soon as an argument starts, influence ends. Right. As soon as you start arguing about vaccines, say, like, oh yeah, well, you're wrong. You should get vaccinated or you shouldn't get vaccinated. And here's why. As soon as you have that sort of, you're, you don't have the freedom to choose how you see the world. And I don't respect your point of view, which is the next one we're going to talk about. Influence ends. Now you may feel better, but you accomplish nothing. So, so when a customer says, customer says, well, I think yours is too expensive. I'm going to go in the cheaper solution or I'm thinking about a cheaper solution. As soon as we say, well, you're an idiot. Let me tell you why you're wrong. <laughs> right. Yep. The influence ends. But if we say, well, that might be a good cho choice for you. That may, choosing another solution may be in your best interest. Let's explore together what you should do, what's right for you. Some, we're not right for all customers. Right. That's a great example of dropping the rope and eliminating that pressure. I love that t-shirt you just wrote. As soon as arguments start, influence ends. That's, that's awesome. All right. Very good. So anything else on pressure before we move on to, you just kind of mentioned point of view. That's the last P. Anything else on pressure? 
No, I think, I think, I think we covered it. I think we covered it well. Yeah. I, I, and those real life examples are a great place to practice in your social life and in your home, uh, maybe with a teenager um, before you try it on with live ammo on customers, because yeah, yeah. it's a lot less um, painful if you, well, if you mess this up. <laughs> what's the difference between this is something, what's the difference between personal and, and business is in, in personal, which is a good point about practicing, you'll get real life feedback. Like you'll still get, you know, when you have, when you're friends with somebody, you're talking to family members, you really instantly know, okay, I'm losing influence here. Yeah. Um, but in business, when you're meeting with customers, a lot of times they just will give you, they'll just send, everything will seem great. Yeah. But nothing will happen. And they'll never call again. You'll never. Yeah. They're like, well, they're just going, well, yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. whatever. Yeah. I'm not, I don't care. I don't, I don't really want to engage because you'll just end up arguing with more of me. So we'll right. just, I'm like, yeah, that sounds great. Send me information. Go ahead. Sure. That sounds wonderful. Yeah. Lose my number. Exactly. All right. Let's move on to point of view, our final P in the process. Uh, talk about, you know, establishing the customer's point of view. Yeah. So, so priority, pressure, and point of view, the three P's that really drive receptivity. Point of view is, is if you can articulate that you understand the other person's point of view, you're going to get more meetings. Mm. You're going to get them to embrace your, your point of view, and you're also going to strengthen the relationship. You're also going to make them much more emotionally receptive to just listening to you in the first place. I mean, it is, this is one of the most powerful of the P's is being able to articulate their point of view. If you can't begin the sentence with because you, yep. you probably can't get a meeting and you probably can't position your solution away where anybody really cares. Yeah. No, it's a great point. I mean, and we've talked about this for sure on other podcasts uh, mm -hmm. over the last couple of years, but um, because you are some of the, or two of the most powerful words, because that, that shows that you've listened and it also articulates and shows the respect that you not only listen, but you absorbed and understand right. what their, what their view of the world looks like. And, and I, and I, yes, what a huge part of influence I can, mm -hmm. I can imagine. Um, tell us about some statistics you've, you've come into um, with regard to, to using this? Because I know we did yeah. a little experiment not too long ago. Yeah, we, we, we wanted to test. So we, so we talked about the point of view in so many different ways. So yeah. you have to, the best way to get a meeting is start with the decision maker's point of view. Yeah. What's on, we talk about what's on their whiteboard. That's their point of view. Whatever's on their whiteboard is what they care about. And, what keeps you know, them up at night. Yeah, we've heard lots. Yeah. And whether they have an actual whiteboard and whether, you know, what's the, their initiatives are written on that it doesn't really matter. The reality is they all want something and they have a plan to get it. And that's mm -hmm. their point of view. What do they want and what's their plan to get it? And what are their problems related to that? So that's, that's their point of view. Um, so we tested um, what happens when you send the traditional marketing email where <laughs> we, 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 and we worked really hard at creating an email that was very compelling yeah. And articulated the benefits of the solution that we were offering. Yeah. So we didn't try to, we tried to create a very realistic, very, again, compelling email where we said, well, here's the solution we're selling. Here's why it's really effective. Here's case studies. Here's the results. Here's, case, you know, here's the ROI. Um, here's the, the benefits of the solution. And we wrote it as best we could. Well, we used examples like the ones you and I get every day of, yeah almost all of them lead with their solution. That's what people, for some reason, what do. What people do. We lead with our solution. That's what we know best. What's the benefit yeah. of our solution? 
and why is it working for other people? And we all do some sort of formula. So we took that same email and we changed it. And we said, we're going to lead with a problem, not our solution. We're going to lead with a problem. We're going to start off with because you, because you as a blah, 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 typically struggle with this, or basically we just articulated their problem. We started with their point of view and not our solution. And then we, we, we sent out, I don't know, it was close to 300 emails, I think. Yep. I did. I forgot to look up, but it was something, it was over 200. Oh yeah. No, it was, it was, uh, it was over 300 actually. Yeah. Over 300. Okay. And so we tested that and the, the, the emails that started with the customers, decision makers, whatever prospects point of view. Yeah were click through 300% uh, uh, clicker rate was 300% higher. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that says a lot, but it's, think about that. When, when someone is emailing you and they know enough about you to say, I think you're having this problem, right? Cause it shows a little research or they're guessing really well, <laughs> but that says something to me as the receiver. And I am probably more likely to open that. I mean, I think about it in my own life. I, the, the ones that are canned solutions, I very rarely open unless they just guessed at the right time that they have a service that I actually need, which what are the odds yeah. of that? And that does work. Yeah. If they're looking for what you offer. Yeah. If my, you know, if, if <laughs> I don't know why I've come up with copier, but if yeah. my copier's down and we need to buy a copier and you send an email that says we sell copiers. Yeah. And I'm probably called something different now, but <laughs> um, yeah, that, that's going to work. You know, you, For sure. need, you need lead gen services, whatever, whatever it is. You know, I used to sell copiers and that's why you picked That's up. probably what it was. That's where you started. Um, then that's going to work. But, but most, it's more effective and what we've proven is if you start and lead with the customer's point of view, that's the best way to position your email, your voicemail, your introduction, that's going to break through the clutter and that's going to drive up response rates. That makes a ton of sense. Well, we have kind of summarized for you the three P's to drive influence and receptivity. Tom, before we let them go, anything else that's kind of hanging out there like a hanging chad? <laughs> well, the other thing, well, the, I would say one other thing about point of view, and I think this, this, this may be even more important, is when you're, when you're interacting with somebody live yeah. and you want to change their beliefs. The first thing we need to do is validate their point of view. They need to know. They need, and so that is, that is so counterintuitive. When someone says the exact opposite thing that you think they should believe about you, your solution, or anything, our instincts is to say, yeah, but. <laughs> so true. Yeah. yeah. You know. Your Just invalidate son, everything before the son wants, You know, my son wants to skip college and, and he wants to pursue a movie, mu- musical career. Yeah. My first reaction, my instinct is to say, uh, no, here's what you need to do. Yeah. Um, my first instinct is not to say, well, let's talk about that. I can see why you want to do that. Tell me what your point of view is. But here's the principle. Until we validate the other person's point of view, they're never, never going to listen to our point of view. And so there's not only the idea that we need to articulate it when we're trying to get a meeting or we need to begin with because you, when we're trying to sell our solution, they need to know and feel that we, we validate the way they believe. There's a reason they believe what they believe. And until we validate it, they're not going to be interested in our point of view. So that's okay. where we begin. Such a good point. All right. Excellent. 
Well, he's Tom Stanfill, CEO, Global Overlord of Selling, and now author, or will be. I guess technically you're not an author until it comes out. I don't know. You've written the book, though. I don't know. I, don't know. I yeah. When do you become an author? I, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, we'll, we'll say, we'll say, yeah, because something could happen. Who knows? But it's, who knows? It's, who knows? All right. I think the book will come out even if something happens. Even if you, even if, uh, even if you fight guys fire me, I think the book still comes out. Well, you probably could go to Amazon now and pre-order it. We, for all mm -hmm. we know, we, you know. Yeah, you can pre-order. You can pre-order it on Amazon. So, unreceptive. Just type in unreceptivebook.com and or not .com, just unreceptivebook, and you'll see it. All right. Well, they're going to go look at that. We hope you guys are enjoying the podcast. Get out there and share it with your friends. Download and subscribe. Help us get this to as many people as we can. This is for you, whether you sell for a living or help those who sell for a living. And we will see you in another week on Sales with Aslan. Mm -hmm.